Whether it's filling your social media feeds or not, the Black Lives Matter movement is still raging and it still needs your help. Please consider donating to any Black Lives Matter causes you can because we still have a long way to go towards a better future for all of us. Donation links are provided below our description. Please check them out and consider donating. We hope you will. Thank you. And now, this week's episode. Just like all the Fast and Furious movies, this episode contains spoilers. Twinema. 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 Cinema. Twinema. Cinema. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Twinema Cinema. My name is Joey, as you hopefully have figured out by now, and with me, as always, is... Max, the wildest co-host in the West! I think I sounded like Target Lady there for a second, but we'll roll with it! (laughs) And this time, we are talking about two 90s films from the year... What year is this, Max? This is 1993 and 4. 93 and 94, and we're talking about Wyatt Earp and Tombstone. And these are two movies we were psyched to get back into because, frankly, one of them is one of our favorite movies ever. Yes, and if you can guess which that one is, you are our Huckleberry. It's not Wyatt Earp. It's definitely not Wyatt Earp. (laughs) Uh, Max and I, neither of us have seen Wyatt Earp, and it's strange to me because I feel similarly to like what went on with Deep Impact here in that I don't think anyone I know ever references Wyatt Earp in any context other than it's a dueling film with Tombstone. And even then, it's not like immediately known. I have to remember that it's a dueling film with Tombstone, not that it's just part of that world. Well, I mean, it certainly helps that it actually didn't come out in the same year. There is a six-month stretch it fits in to qualify as a dueling film. But yeah, Tombstone was 93 and uh, Wyatt Earp was 94, having missed the train metaphorically. And when you look at it, Wyatt Earp has a hell of a cast. It seems like a movie I should remember or know about. I mean, I only know about the counterparts for the most part. You got Kevin Costner as Wyatt Earp and you got Dennis Quaid as Doc Holliday, I think. But that's all I know. Well, I, I believe when I was looking it up, Gene Hackman's in there somehow. Gene Hackman. Yeah, I have no idea. This this movie is a mystery to me. See, I don't know who Gene Hackman plays, but I am pretty sure he's part of the cast, which means in the 90s, he was just churning out westerns left and right, which is awesome. I'm not opposed to that, that's for sure. Like, let's just assume he's playing Little Bill from Unforgiven in the movie. Yeah, that seems right. Just a nice uh, crossover. Not like that would be impossible in the context of the universe, but, you know, he's playing the same character. <laughs> <laughs> we should acknowledge the the bias of these movies is completely out the window. It's, I think at the end of this episode, we're still going to hold Tombstone at a very high esteem. It's like impossible not to. Like, I remember seeing it more recently. I remember seeing it past my nostalgia time. And so I, I saw it with a bit of fresh eyes. And it's still great. Val Kilmer is amazing. It's made. I would say it's his best movie, or at least in terms of his best performance. Maybe not the best movie he's in, but it's definitely my favorite Val Kilmer performance. I I think without a doubt, it is definitely the best Val Kilmer right next to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And that one had to take like a turn, right? It had to become like a bit of a, a pastiche film in order for him to do that. This is like the first time that I remember in my childhood having Val Kilmer be annoyingly witty. 
and it's amazing because he's just this perfectly witty, drunken, amazingly talented sharp or not sharpshooter. What the hell do you call it? Quick draw artist. Well, and oh, honestly, he should have been nominated for an Oscar for this role because he is amazing. I don't disagree at all. I don't know who he would have been up against because is Tombstone 93 or is um, Wyatt Earp 93? Which one was? Uh, Tombstone's 93. So he would have been up against Tommy Lee Jones from The Fugitive. Ah, that's a, I mean, it's like Tommy Lee Jones' best performance. So I, I feel like that's a good year for these supporting characters for sure. I can almost just hear the clips at the Oscars in my head. It's like, I'm your Huckleberry. I don't care. (laughs) that would be a a nice back-to-back moment for sure Um, but yeah we're strongly biased towards tombstone and i think most people in like our age group are in film school i was surprised by how many people know and love that movie like you said before no one really talks about wyatt earp but uh we'll find out why that is but uh for the moment let's uh play our old game what can you remember now obviously we could probably you know verbatim quote tombstone but i want to hear what you think wyatt earp is about well it is like apparently over three hours long So that's kind of an insane thing for me. That'll be the longest movie on our podcast for sure at this point. Um, So what happens in those three hours? Well, I'm betting that the gunfight at the OK Corral happens. I feel like that has to happen. Right. Because if it doesn't happen, then then I will be so surprised. If that's somehow not in the movie, I, I might actually be ecstatic and impressed by it uh the only thing that makes me really curious is the scale like tombstone it's gonna be about the town of tombstone the events wherein um whereas wyatt earp is probably it sounds like it's gonna be like his whole life yeah that's a good point it probably is more of a, a biopic in that regard where it follows uh, wyatt earp specifically and for a longer period of time and there is a decent amount of history before he came to tombstone so hopefully we get that like do we get the backstory of him before he came out further west and then yeah what happens after tombstone because i guess you get a bunch of revenge in tombstone but we don't know what really happens after that save for some voiceover at the very end yeah so hopefully we get we get like the prequel and the sequel to tombstone in wyatt Earp. yeah here's hope and yeah i guess i haven't I don't. I haven't even seen the trailer for this, so I don't know how, how like, what kind of action it's going to be, or if it's going to be more of a talky western. Yeah, all I remember is like the cover, which is Kevin Costner holding a, a gun. That's it. That's all that's on the cover that I remember. I'm pretty sure it's a rifle, so that makes it slightly different. A little bit, because I remember Doc Holliday having the, the shotgun. And there's a lot of pistols in Tombstone. I just don't know how Wyatt Earp can be better than Tombstone, so I'm curious to see how it's going to be different. But we have to go in with an open mind, because we owe it to the viewers of this podcast. And yes, I did say viewers of this podcast. Right? You can view with your ears, baby. Mm-hmm. Look at it. It looks like it sounds good. <laughs> okay. Um, so what else do we got to say about these two movies before we get into our mashup? Well, we haven't even talked about Tombstone yet. I mean, we have to talk about that a little bit, even though we know it pretty much inside and out. We should mention just, you know, passing glance. You know, what's Tombstone? <laughs> well, I can tell you a little bit. So there's this town called Tombstone. And in Tombstone, Wyatt Earp and his brothers decide to come in there. More like a retirement is their plan. And you know what? That retirement doesn't last very long. 
I know because they they run into the likes of Thomas Hayden Church and Michael Rooker and Charlton Heston because they're all in the movie from what I recall. Charlton Heston? Really? Yeah, I think he has like a bit part in the movie. <laughs> Are you looking it up? I was trying to, but like my, <laughs> my fingers did not quite make this work. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying, is it, I'm trying to remember the name of the, the actor who plays the, the main villain, the leader of the gang. Oh, Michael Bean. Michael, wait, no, Michael Bean is, is, a uh, like, uh, is, um, I'm trying, I'm like, he's, he's there. Oh, he's, he's Johnny Ringo. Yeah. He's, he's there. Um, oh, oh, you're talking about Powers Booth. Yes. Powers Booth. But, uh, Michael Bean is Johnny Ringo, who is our counterpart to Doc Holliday. To Doc Holliday, and Powers Booth is the counterpart to Wyatt Earp. He's the leader of the gang, and Powers Booth, rest in peace. Rest in powers. Ooh, I like that. Rest in powers. The the cast of this movie gets along so well, and I think one of the things that cracks me up the most though is how somehow Bill Paxton ends up in like my favorite movies. But he he's like other than Twister, he's not badass. He is the least badass character in these badass movies in all of them. Twister is like the only one where he's the lead, but he's in all of these other films that I love. You know, we're talking like Aliens and we're talking Terminator 2. He shows up for a little bit and it's just, he's amazing. And he's in all of these roles. And in Tombstone, it's no different. He is like the least erp of the erps. He's the least erpy. Where it could be argued that Sam Elliott, or at least his mustache, is the most erpy. Yes. Um, obviously, we got... Kurt Russell, right? It's not. It's Kurt Russell. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for the. Like, <laughs> I like my brain like switched because sometimes I sw- I switch up Jeff Bridges and Kurt Russell, and then we've got Kurt Russell leading the cast as Wyatt Earp, and he's just he's a bamf in so many things that he's in. He's the opposite of Bill Paxton. He shows up as the coolest guy in the room. With the coolest mustache, and that's very hard to do in a movie with Sam Elliott. That's a very good point. These mustaches go toe-to-toe, and one does come out victorious. It's also worth mentioning, probably because I've mentioned it several times already, that the supporting cast for Tombstone is amazing. It has Billy Zane, Joey. Billy Zane! And he's got that uh, that dude from, what, 90210? Yeah, I think, is Luke Perry in this? No, wait, not, I'm thinking of, uh, who am I thinking of? Who was in Fifth Element? Was that Was that Luke Perry? I know. We got some teen heartthrob in this movie. Yeah, I can't remember who he is. He's a 90s guy, but he's great in it too. And it's just like, who plays who plays um who plays Wyatt Earp's love interest in this movie? I can't remember her name off the top of my head. The lovely Dana Delaney. And she's great in the movie, and they've got a fun little love story. Although, like, it's one of the parts that is kind of slow in the movie and takes away from some of the other elements, but what can you do? Sometimes they just decide to cram a love story into a, a Western, you know? Gosh, dang it. These Westerns are romantic AF. Well, what else are you going to do in the West? You're going to have some sex and you're going to shoot some people. Sometimes at the same time. And then, you know, there's also like some people forming businesses, you know? Those people rule the world today. So it all depends on what your priorities were in the Wild West. I know. It's, it's kind of a relief to know that there's some parts of tombstone that we do forget because we're going to relearn them all over again man i like it's it's impossible to not remember the iconic part of him spinning his cup like that is like my like it's just like the biggest f you ever it's like a perfect moment and i love it i love it so much oh no he's an educated man now i hate him (laughs) um well let's quit fanboying so much over tombstone and we shall see you guys in ugh
what is it going to be this time? Like six and a half hours? <laughs> yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a little bit. But we'll see you all in a Mississippi minute, y'all. For this week's episode, we're watching Tombstone and Wyatt Earp. Tombstone cannot be found anywhere for streaming at the moment, although it is available to rent at all online distributors. And if you have any friends in their late 20s to early 30s, they probably own a copy, so go ahead and borrow it from them. And we got Wyatt Earp currently available on HBO and HBO Max, but not HBO Go, because that's not a thing anymore. Check them out before you watch the second half of our episode, if you can. I love coffee. Do you love coffee? I love coffee, too. Uh, You know what else coffee can do? It can help us keep this podcast going. So if you go to coffee.com slash cinema, ko-fi.com slash cinema, you can give us coffee or money or money coffee or coffee money. Oh, man, we should pay with beans. Anyway, coffee.com slash cinema. Help us out. Thanks. Bye. You gonna do something or just stand there and bleed? When you find yourself in a fight, hit first if you can. Hit to kill. Say when. Who is he? That's wider. Better name for himself as a peace officer. I'm retired. That is a hell of a thing for you to say to me. The first time in our lives we got a chance to stop wandering and finally be a family. Now this is trouble we don't need. If we're gonna have a future in this town, it's gotta have some law and order. You got a fight coming. None of your problem, Doc. You don't have to mix up in this. I'm dead anyway. So if you want to go out in a blaze of glory. I'm your huckleberry. The last charge of Wyatt Earp and his immortals. You tell them I'm coming! And hell's coming with me! My name is Wyatt Earp. It all ends now. And we are back. And boy, are our spurs jangled. We had some fun in the West, didn't we, Joey? We certainly did, Max. Riding around on all these horses, jumping around county to county, territory to territory, city to city, all over the place in these two Western films. Although the one place they pretty much have in common is a little town in Arizona called Tombstone. Tombstone, home of pizza. And whatever you would like on it. Yeah. <laughs> the joke has fallen short. There was mm. no follow-up to my pizza. There was no... Uh, we left the pizza in too long. <laughs> but both of us watched these films, uh, I believe, in the same order. You started with Wyatt Earp as well, correct? I did. I started with the longest first because we definitely had to make sure we could get through it in a timely fashion. I didn't want to overexert myself by trying to finish that one later in any evening, for sure. Yeah, we had we had some extra erpiness to get through because there are, in fact, more erps than ever before in White Earp compared to Tombstone, which uh, creatively cuts out some of the family members. Yeah, I didn't really know that. I haven't researched Wyatt Earp too much, like, historically. Um, but that was a very fascinating difference that they kind of hit home pretty well in Wyatt Earp and Tombstone. Well, I think the basic, the basic metric we have to judge it by is what we learned in Tombstone and then what we viewed later, historical or not be it Wyatt Earp, the movie, or, you know, history. Correct. Yeah. Tombstone is kind of like my baseline for what probably happened, um, which isn't necessarily the best choice, but that's how my mind works. That's the baseline of what happened in those towns in that lifetime for Wyatt Earp and the Earp clan. And then basically whatever Fables goes west is parodying with uh, <laughs> the wily burp voiced by uh, James Stewart. <laughs> 
and his last role ever. But that's neither here nor there. In a fantastic last role, if we're being honest. I love <laughs> him as Wiley Burf. It's such a weird movie. <laughs> but back to live action here. And we're going to start it off by... I have no idea how to start off this show anymore. But let's get back to some live action with a little discussion about the things that we liked in each of these films. Ah, uh, well... First things first, Tombstone is still amazing, but there are certain things that White Earp is magnificent at, and one of them is just the visuals. This is a gorgeous movie to look at, and with good reason, as uh, the DP was nominated for an Oscar for this movie. And had previously won an Academy Award for Best Cinematography as well. Wyatt Earp looks amazing. It uses those three hours, three plus hours, incredibly well by getting a lot of scenery, a lot of images on the screen, and it is purdy. Which isn't to say that Tombstone is a slouch either, because there's some great Western like shots in that movie. All the riders at sunset just sets the perfect tone for the bloody revenge that's going to follow. True. Both of them do look good. For me, Wyatt Earp's going to take the lead on that one in cinematography. We also have fantastic casts. Like, these things are are freaking stacked. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Both of these films are so deep. Like, they have backups on backups on backups. It's crazy how many stars, or not necessarily stars at the time, but people who became stars later, are in these films. Most of the time, they're not even in significant or starring roles at all. Like, one of the big ones in Tombstone, Billy Bob Thornton. He gets slapped around by, uh, by Kurt Russell for a little bit. Uh, Jesus himself shows up in Wyatt Earp as the littlest brother. And, like, in Tombstone as well, you've got Charlton Heston, who's on screen for all of maybe 30, 35 seconds. And you got Robert Mitchum doing the narration because he was going to take the Heston role, but he fell off a horse and busted his ass. It's crazy. Like, there are just people that pop up in both of these films. Um, one of my fan favorites here is uh, Adam Baldwin shows up in Wyatt Earp. You know, good old... Jane? Thank you. I was I, I got stuck on Firefly and Serenity. I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know the ballad of Jane. You Why? mean the, the hero of Canton, the one they call Jane? Yes, Jane. Oh man, I can't believe I couldn't pull his name out. Uh, it was nice seeing him in a space Western and then also in a regular Western. And you got Stephen Lang just oozing it up in Tombstone as well. He's just the guy you love to hate every time. He's also way more handsome as a younger man than I had anticipated. It was one of those things of like, oh, you, you're a good-looking dude. Caught me off guard, Stephen Lang. Well done. And then one person you almost never expect to find in a Western is Catherine O'Hara, but she's in at least two of them that I love, and this one as well. Yeah, and she's so good in this role. And I think that's one of the things I really liked about Wyatt Earp specifically is how much more involved the wives of the Earp brothers are. And I think that, for me, added a lot to the, the character development of the Earps, both for, for, the, for the ladies and just for our protagonist, Wyatt Earp, and his brothers as well. Quick side note being Catherine O'Hara is in another Western that I love, Tall Tale with Patrick Swayze as Pecos Bill. Oh my God. She plays Calamity Jane. It's great. I haven't seen that movie in so long. Disney really... Plus, bro. It's great. It's, it's, it's great? Yes. All right. I'll, I'll watch it. I'm in a Western mood right now, man. I am hooked. On a feeling? High on believing? That you're in love with me? We're going to get sued. <laughs> 
Let's talk about other things that we liked here. And obviously, one of our favorite things is Val Kilmer's Doc Holiday. No matter what happens at the end of this episode, we can agree that Val Kilmer's Doc Holiday makes Tombstone, and he is easily the best Doc Holiday there ever was to Doc Holiday. Yes, I will agree. But I also got to say that I am pretty impressed with Dennis Quaid's performance as Doc Holliday, but they are such different characters. I think that really goes to show what can be done with this same material. They are distinctly different in so many ways, and it really fits Val Kilmer's just quippiness is the way that he delivers some of these lines. He's a guy you love to hate, but because we're following the Earps and he's our guy, you just love him. You can't not love him in this movie. He also has the best lines and the best moments as well. So anything he's in is just aces. For me, he carries the whole movie on his back, which is funny because he's a supporting character, but he elevates every scene that he's in. Those scenes are work because of him and are better because of him. Also, just everything to love about the Western in general is on display in both of these movies. You have the archetypes, you have the scenery, you have the music. Pretty much both of the scores in these movies are fantastic, like Aaron Copeland, American Wilderness it's good stuff to love. James Newton Howard did a great job with White Earp and Bruce Vaughton did Tombstone. Yeah, both of these scores I love to listen to by themselves because they just give me that Western feeling. It's hard to not feel as if you're there watching both of these movies. The scenery is beautiful. They do a great job with the costumes, with the production design of really bringing you into the elements. And it's fun because they also have a large amount of wide shots to showcase the town and the mountains and the area in which they are, especially in Wyatt Earp. But that also has to do with the story as he travels a lot more in that movie. He is all over the West in Wyatt Earp. They do such a great job of showcasing their surroundings while also having a lot of very intense personal close-ups on our characters. So they play, especially Tombstone specifically, plays a lot in the wide and in the close. There's a lot fewer medium shots in that film. And then by any chance, do you happen to see who was the production designer on Tombstone? Because I got kind of tickled by that one. Uh, I actually did not. Who, who was it? The production designer was Catherine Hardwick, who would later go on to direct the infamous Twilight. Oh, <laughs> well... Well done, ma'am. So we've been jawing on for just a little bit about what we love about these movies, but uh, let's go into some uh, some finery, if you will. Uh, let's talk about what they have in common. Well, there's quite a bit that we have in common here since they're both based off the legend of Wyatt Earp. Most of the things involving the town of Tombstone are actually incredibly similar. And if you don't know the story, well, let's go ahead and give it to you. Max, start us off telling us what Tombstone is about, and then we can go on and explain Wyatt Earp, since Wyatt Earp basically covers all the territory Tombstone does, plus another hour and a half. Entirely true. Well, Tombstone basically discovers the point in Wyatt Earp's career. He wants to retire from the law with his brothers and slash wives uh, and uh, goes to Tombstone to try to make his fortune in mining silver and uh, opening up a gambling establishment at one point, or at least investing heavily in them. Um, but of course, being lawmen, the deepest parts of their souls, they get caught up in the... Uh, rough element there known as the cowboys and uh eventually they do pick up the badges again and they go against the cowboys uh crossing them infamously at the okay corral gunfight in which case uh they kill a couple of those guys trying to disarm them and uh yeah cowboys have it out for them 
uh, his brother Virgil is nicked. Uh, his brother Morgan is murdered. And uh, Wyatt then goes on a little vendetta with Doc Holliday, killing the shit out of all of those cowboys until only a couple of them are left and they uh, renounce the cowboyness and uh, retires after that with a little lady he met in Tombstone. That's pretty much what happens in Tombstone and in a third of Wyatt Earp. But I got to say real quick, the cowboys... You couldn't, you couldn't have come up with a better gang name. Like, you're obviously cowboys. Something? Something else? Lazy bums. Are we talking just the historical cowboys here? Yes, the historical <laughs> cowboys who are from Dallas, as we know. America's team. Anyhow, the cowboys in terms of the gang, not cowboys as a whole. Also, I think uh, America in general would refute that uh, team association at this point. Yeah, the, the New York Jets are now America's team. <laughs> Sorry, I threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> well, anyhow, so Wyatt Earp actually ends up starting at the OK Corral sequence, which when that happened, when I started watching Wyatt Earp, I almost lost my mind because I couldn't believe it. That was the opposite of what I predicted the movie was going to do. I assumed the movie was going to start much, much earlier. And so as that being the beginning, I was like, holy crap, like, did I get the movie completely wrong? And as it turns out, no, I did not because they flash back before we actually get to the shootout. And then we go all the way back to Wyatt Earp as a young man. It looks like in his early teens as he's about to run away and join his brothers fighting in the Civil War. His dad, by the way, being played by Gene Hackman, who's only in the movie for about 10 minutes. He still gets top billing or like third top billing. But I yeah. believe it was third, but that's still pretty crazy for being in the movie for 10 minutes. However, he does deliver some pretty intense lines and he had an effect on me. An effect that I think only Gene Hackman gives to people. It was as if my father... Hacked your genes, man. God. Um, I, yeah, he just like spoke to the depths of my soul. And you can't, you can't um, remove the, the, the speeches that he gave to his children in the movie because they end up being a through line throughout all of Wyatt Earp following Wyatt Earp as he progresses through the story. Well, I think the major part of his existence in the story itself is just to establish the Earps as having like hereditary wonderlust. They're constantly going to move on to the next thing. And that is definitely a trait that Wyatt Earp picked up. I believe that is a huge part of it. Also to just showcase how important family is to them. And then thirdly, to show that they have a strong sense of morality, which I think is something that Wyatt Earp does very well is actually make Wyatt Earp have a change in his personal morality. The way that he handles things as the story progresses is very different. He switches gears a couple of times. And speaking of, pretty much what happens is we see him as a child, and then he moves on out into the West, into the Wyoming Territory, I believe, and we see him killing bison, which made me very sad because they killed so many of them, and I love those creatures. Well, he, he has experience doing that anyway with Dances with Wolves. And uh, I saw in the credits that they actually shot partially in South Dakota for, for Wyatt Earp, and so I imagine he called in some favors to go back to South Dakota to shoot some of those bison sequences. It's like, hey, remember those bison? We're going to kill some more. And at that point, we're introduced to two characters that come along for the ride, Tom Sizemore and Bill Pullman playing the... Mastersons. Not to be confused with McMasters, which totally confused me later on in the story. 
yeah, absolutely threw me off too. And it really confused me in Tombstone because I was just like, wait, is he supposed to be the same guys that we were talking about in Wyatt Earp? And no, they're not the same people. Very similar names. But anyhow, to speed things up a bit. Too late. We're going to go for it. So he goes to Missouri where his grandparents live and he meets his wife and he marries her there. She gets typhoid and she dies. Then he sets their house on fire, burns everything to the ground, runs away, knocks a guy out, steals a horse, goes to jail. Gene Hackman shows up, pulls him out of jail, tells him to run. So then he runs, ends up finding a job. Then he ends up in Kansas, in Dodge City, where he ends up becoming a deputy marshal. From there, he kicks a whole bunch of ass. And then his friends show up from Wyoming and they kick some ass. And then one of his friends, Bill Pullman, gets shot and dies. Then Wyatt Earp decides, I don't want to be here anymore. And he heads off towards Tombstone. And that's kind of where we go. Couple things aside, I think we're going to accept that as the uh, general plot of the movie Wyatt Earp is told by Joey. Uh, but the curious thing about the tombstone portion of Wyatt Earp is that they join and they're already lawmen again. Like they have badges on in their first scene in Tombstone. So they bypassed pretty much the whole first half of Tombstone itself. I don't remember that exactly, but I do think that that's somewhat more historically accurate. They were lawmen by trade. So I think that kind of fits in. And that's one of the big differences between these two films is that Kevin Costner was kind of obsessed with getting things historically accurate. And so there's a lot more details in the movie. Do those details need to be there? Probably not all of them, but he's trying. He's shoving them in every which way he can. Although before we move on to more of the differences, wrapping up a few more of the similarities, I do want to point out a couple of them. One of them being both movies give Doc Holliday credit for killing Johnny Ringo at the very end. True, which is not necessarily historically true because most people believe he probably committed suicide. Which is kind of fun because I was watching Tombstone and Doc actually sets it up to make it look like he killed himself. At least in Tombstone, they explain that fairly well. Oh no, are they going to leave the badge on him? No, they picked it up. Yep, this works. Exactly. It's It's a good enough explanation for all scenarios. And my other item was the fact that they both went out of their way to protect the image of Wyatt Earp's new love, Josie Marcus. Um, Mostly because Josie herself outlived Wyatt and was able to pretty much write both of their legends. So to the victor goes the history. Indeed. (laughs) So with that, yeah, Josie is probably the most developed and most likable female in either movie uh, as both movies don't spend their runtime being generally kind to women. Most of them are uh, either relegated to just one or two lines and just being scenery as it's in itself, uh, or um, they're just played off as being nags or just things holding back the main characters, which is not necessarily uh, as progressive, but it's the Old West, so it's not exactly surprising either. Yeah, Josie is definitely the most developed of all of the characters, and I think that's intentional for many reasons. Obviously, having the ability to write your own history helps, but I think just the simple fact that it is the only like love story we kind of see unfold from beginning to end gives us a little bit more leeway and time to meet her as a character instead of just jumping into having already met these characters like we have with all the other women. And it's it's a little harder to get into her character too because Wyatt in both movies is cheating on his wife both times, although I guess history goes out of its way to say they're both common law wives, which makes it a little more okay, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure on that, but in both films, they definitely refuse to say that that Maddie is in fact his wife, um, but she uses his last name and thinks he's her husband. So I'm not sure what's going on, but they try to give Wyatt Earp a little bit more leeway on that, I suppose. So obviously in these films, there are 
an untold number of similarities that we can't really go into because they are following the exact same historical story. So like what Doc Holliday does or what Wyatt Earp does, it's almost all the same. It's just delivered and handled differently by the filmmakers. And one difference that I think was really cool was how in Tombstone, they never really show, they never show Wyatt Earp drinking. They just show him drinking coffee, which is kind of a major part of his character in Wyatt Earp is that he got so drunk after his wife died that he refused to drink pretty much ever again. And so he only drinks coffee and makes a show of that constantly throughout the movie as a point of pride so that when he does drink later, it shows how much of a development of his character there is. But they both have it in the movie. One of them just puts a lot more emphasis on it. And that's pretty much how most of the similarities go. And there are tons and yeah they're gonna be although it's hard to tell which ones are really real and which ones aren't because wider himself went out of his way to create his own legend and as with many characters in the Wild West, but especially with Wyatt Earp, since he lived long enough to write his own story and to meet filmmakers who would later film his story, um, he had a lot more sway than others. But so many of the stories are all hearsay and what backs up these historical facts. And this is the general story that we hear about Wyatt Earp, whether it's true or not. But what's certain, especially in Hollywood, is usually one movie or the other gets things a little more factually correct than the other. In this case, it's the movie that took the time to pretty much include every little detail it could. Uh, and that movie is Wyatt Earp. And so having said all of that, here are some of the differences between these two movies. I mean, <laughs> in general, yeah, you have all the, all the details of his life, including all of his siblings in Wyatt Earp. Uh, so that's one thing that Wyatt Earp definitely includes more. You have James, the oldest. You have, I think, what was it, Warren, the youngest, played yeah, by Warren. Jim Caviezel. Like so Jesus himself. I, I think what I want to do here, because there are obviously an insane amount of differences if we focus on anything that doesn't take place in Tombstone. So I want us to just focus on what takes place during the Tombstone storyline and what's different there. Uh, I mean, as far as that part goes, probably just the size of the town in general as the movie Tombstone actually filmed in two different locations to make the town look bigger. Well, I was also going to say things like their character, for example, as in Tombstone, Kurt Russell is a very reluctant hero throughout the whole movie. He refuses to take on law enforcement as his career because he is retired. He does not want to be a lawman anymore. Whereas uh, Kevin Costner's wider is definitely more along the lines of, this is just another stop on my life tour of uh, trying to get rich and uh, being a lawman. This is a thing that I do. This is a thing that I know how to do. And his brother even makes mention of the fact that maybe this is the only thing we're good at, which in Wyatt Earp, that's another difference. Wyatt Earp, they aren't very successful in Tombstone. They are actually barely scraping by and don't have any money. Whereas in the movie Tombstone, they're doing pretty well. They're kind of killing it. Yeah, they're definitely uh, portrayed as having a good interest in the games, uh, in uh, some of the casinos, and they have some mining uh shares that are paying off, uh, although Wider definitely plays uh, the mining options as not being as profitable. Exactly. It's all about the gambling. And the gambling is always a fun part because with that we get kind of Wyatt's intro into the movie as he steps foot into the casino he'd later half run, I suppose, and kind of intimidates Billy Bob Thornton's dealer character out of his job without a gun, which is impressive because he kind of just psychs him out and slaps him around a little bit. <laughs> 
And that's a, that's a good point, too. Before all the gunplay unfolds later on in Tombstone, Kurt Russell, and from here on out, I'm no longer referring to them as Wyatt Earp because they are the same character. So I'm going to start referring to them as Kevin Costner and Kurt Russell. So we know which movies are which. So anyhow, Kurt Russell refuses to use a gun. And in that scene with Billy Bob Thornton, he does a great job of disarming him. And we see that happening moment after moment after moment for like the next hour of the movie. We never really see Kurt Russell use a gun. He only holds guns with the intention of taking them away from somebody, never to shoot anyone. Whereas Kevin Costner definitely has a gun at pretty much all times. It is not afraid to beat you over the head with it. Almost too fast. Yeah, he's uh he's shown to be a bit a bit more of a hothead and a little bit too quick to draw his gun. So much so that yeah, he gets in a lot of legal trouble uh and goes to court a lot more in Wyatt Earp than he does in Tombstone. Yeah, he gets fired in Wyatt Earp from one of his jobs that Kevin Costner which is always kind of fun as well because the director of Tombstone, Kevin Jar, was fired from that movie beforehand uh, for unknown reasons, probably because he wrote the script and uh, they wanted to change too much of it. Whereas uh, Kevin Costner pretty much was going to be in Tombstone, but uh, it wasn't enough about White Earp, so he moved on to Lawrence Kasdan, who uh, helped make a movie that is a little more erpy centric oh definitely that's a huge difference in tombstone they focus a lot more on the ancillary characters whereas in wyatt erp they are following kevin costner around pretty much the whole time there is almost no scene without him where in tombstone the movie starts without wyatt erp in it which is one of the best parts about tombstone i think because any good western introduces the villains in extraordinary fashion and they do that with lots of uh, bravado as the cowboys attack a wedding uh at the very beginning of the movie and kind of just uh, say how nasty they are but with Wyatt Earp there is no central antagonist besides maybe just Earp himself because the film is kind of such a rolling film and it deals with so much of Wyatt Earp's life we don't really get that opportunity to have there be uh, a specific antagonist. It's just Wyatt Earp versus the world and how is Kevin Costner handling it? And in Tombstone, we specifically have these characters that we are shown, that we get to know. One of them is played by Powers Booth and he kills it. He's so charismatic and so interesting of a character. And that's the thing that Tombstone really shines on is that it has these very unique characters, specifically the villains, Doc Holliday also as well. But the villains themselves distinguish themselves and are interesting. Uh, we have Curly, Curly Bill, which is played by Powers Booth. And then we have Johnny Ringo, played by Michael Bean. Both of them are very interesting for different reasons. Tombstone definitely uh, makes it a point to give all the ancillary characters some scenery to chew, uh, which is kind of why I almost prefer it, because pretty much the character of the movie is like the town. Everyone in the town has their thing and that's what the movie chooses to focus on. Whereas obviously White Earp is the center of White Earp. <laughs> obviously by the names alone, like you just said, White Earp is about White Earp. Tombstone, it's about Tombstone. But if you don't have the last name Earp in the movie White Earp, 
you're pretty much a non-character. Like, nothing about you really stands out. You're there for a couple of minutes, and then we're moving on to the next part of White Earp's life. I think the person who makes the most appearances, obviously, is Doc Holliday. But even in Wyatt Earp, um, he isn't that prevalent. Like, he's in it a little bit, and he's in it from scene to scene, and he's obviously in and out of the Tombstone sequences. But even in Tombstone, he is not that integral of a character when compared to the Doc Holliday by Val Kilmer in the film Tombstone. In so much that he actually saves Wyatt Earp's life in Tombstone because he goes to face Johnny Ringo instead of Wyatt, who would have killed him. In Tombstone, Doc Holliday is far more of a likable and lovable character. We don't really see much of his flaws. There is a moment where he kills a man during a card game, but that's kind of his character and we already knew that and even in that situation it is quote-unquote self-defense but in Wyatt Earp we get more of a look at Doc Holliday and see how he is not a good person he's got a lot of negative traits and we even see him beating his girlfriend we don't actually see the beating on screen but we see from both his admission and her admission that he hit her in the face on at least more than one occasion. Yeah, and Tombstone big nose Kate, his girlfriend, uh, is kind of given more of the vice uh, in the relationship as even after he's been told by the doctor that his tuberculosis has worsened, uh, big nose Kate still uh, tries to tempt him uh, to continue going on, even though it will surely kill him faster. They do a better job in Wyatt Earp of explaining why she leaves whereas in tombstone it just kind of happens she just disappears and we never really see from her again and that's okay it doesn't take away from the movie it's just one of those weird things of like all right well i guess she's just not in it anymore but that actually is mostly due to a scene that was cut from the movie as they were putting it together which makes sense um from the little research i was able to do there were a number of scenes cut from tombstone that made appearances in promotional material such as the trailers yeah, one in particular was Jason Priestley's character who was hot on Beverly Hills 90210 at the time. And he's he's named in the trailers, even though he doesn't have much of a character uh, in the movie itself. Uh, but I actually found the script for Kevin Jar's full uh, original version. And at the very end, he goes after the people that killed his uh, actor buddy played by Billy Zane. And he actually kills them accidentally. <laughs> Well, that's certainly far less climactic than what happens in the movie. Whereas he just rides off after quitting, yeah. Well, that and we just kind of assume that Wyatt Earp and crew, Kurt Russell and the like, take them down themselves. Oh yeah, I mean, it's easily not something that needed to stay in the movie, but when you show Jason Priestley holding a gun in the trailer, you kind of expect it to stay in the movie. Yeah, and he never has a gun. At any point, matter of fact, he's shown to be a very weak character, not necessarily weak morally, but he just he's not a he's not up for killing folks. So he's a good guy for the most part. Yeah, he just falls in with the wrong crowd, but he uh, he's right by the end. So uh, that is good news. Uh, What I kind of wanted to play with you um, for this, since we're dealing with a lot of characters being played by different people. Uh, at least just with the main characters, if we wanted to go toe-to-toe uh, and see who was better. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Um, who do you want to start with? Uh, we'll start with the man himself, Mr. Wyatt Earp. Okay, this one is tricky for me uh, because I think if I were to do this, I've got Kevin Costner winning by the slightest margin. And the reason is because I like 
his character in Wyatt Earp more. Although I really do like Kurt Russell's performance in Tombstone. I'd say Kurt Russell at least wins by a mustache. Oh my God, we can't forget that. In Tombstone, their mustaches crush any mustaches in wider it's not even close it's just like sam elliott his wins by a landslide over michael madsen kurt russell's crushes kevin costner's mustache versus mustache tombstone is the victor 100 percent. although apparently they were all real like everyone grew their own mustache for for both films no just for tombstone there was definitely some questionable hair choices in uh wider yeah that's that's what i thought so <laughs> that makes it that makes it make a lot more sense. All right. So you picked uh, KC. I picked KR for uh, Mr. Earp. Uh, let's go with his brothers. All right. Let's go for the oldest, Virgil. Who's better, Michael Madsen or Sam Elliott? It's, it, this one's another tricky one, and it's tricky specifically because Sam Elliott is a cowboy. He is visually a cowboy. He's a cowboy in everything I've ever seen him in, with the exception of Parks and Rec. And therefore, when you see him, he embodies being a cowboy. But I think Michael Madsen's more interesting. He has a lot more to do in uh, Wyatt Earp. And so I think Michael Madsen taking it slightly over Sam Elliott. And I agree with you on Sam Elliott, but also additionally because he has given a lot of emotional heft in Tombstone as actually being the one, and historical this was so as well, uh, picking the badge back up and bringing law to Tombstone. And he kind of pressures his other brothers, Morgan and Wyatt, back into it. And just the way he growls they're breaking the law oh so we disagree here you picked sam elliott i picked sam elliott yes and we're gonna differ on a lot of these aren't we although i think i might actually agree with you in the next one morgan earp is it gonna be the one the only bill paxton or do we have uh, lyndon ashby as morgan earp once again i gotta go with wyatt earp so it's lyndon ashby and it's it's for the same reason why i picked michael madsen his character has way more to do in Wyatt Earp, and in Wyatt Earp, he's actually the more interesting version of him. He's a hothead, he's, he's brash, he makes a lot more choices, where in Tombstone, Bill Paxton's version is very much just going along for the ride. He's backing his brothers up, but he doesn't really have a lot of choices to be made. Yeah, uh, Bill Paxton's Morgan is definitely the pure one. He's the youngest, I get it. Uh, but also, you're, you're correct. Lyndon Ashby's version has a lot more to do, and I think that's because they upped the presence of his wife, uh, and he has a great little thing going on with them, as the wives don't actually care for his wife too much, going so far as to calling her an idiot in front of her face. Yeah, not cool other wives, but she clearly loves him, and oh my god, when he dies in Wyatt Earp, that that has a lot more emotional weight to me than the version that plays out in Tombstone. Yeah, I've seen Bill Paxton die a ton of times, but seeing Lyndon Ashby die, that, that meant a little bit more. Also, it felt so strangely singing in the rain when Kurt Russell was outside after, his, after Bill Paxton got shot. It was the weirdest thing. I could not stop thinking that they should just have singing in the rain playing over this scene. Oh, what a feeling. Bill Paxton died again. <laughs> Oh, but he actually has passed on, so... No, but he's only one of two people who's been killed by an alien, a predator, and a Terminator. Wait, there's another person now? Yes, there has been since 2004 when Lance Hendrickson was killed by a predator in Alien vs. Predator. Ugh, screw you, Lance Hendrickson. <laughs> oh, come on, don't be mad at Bishop. I'm not mad at him, exactly, <laughs> but I'm... 
Definitely. You're mad at Paul. You're mad at Paul W. S. Anderson, aren't you? Yes, actually, that would be the correct person to be angry at. It's not Bishop's fault. <laughs> uh, and then uh, just kind of going through, as far as the villains are concerned, I think Tombstone is the clearest winner here. Again, we already talked about Powers Booth and Michael Bean as actually having personalities. And Stephen Lang was great as a stifling character. And Thomas Hayden Church had some good moments in Tombstone as well. Whereas uh, I can't really say anyone from the uh, lineup in Wyatt Earp jumps out at me as being better. And although his character makes some confusing choices later on in the film, even the brief moments where we see Michael Rooker, we even get him and he has a little bit more to his story um, in Tombstone than pretty much any of the villains in Wyatt Earp which goes to show that they put some real effort into fleshing out the villains in Tombstone and making them more interesting, more dynamic, and somebody who's worth finding out about. But yeah, Wyatt Earp, he just shows up randomly as some guy named Sherm when everyone just calls him McMasters in, uh, in uh, Tombstone. So I was very confused, but that kind of goes with the McMasters-Masterson confusion I had earlier. There's just, there's a lot of names. Like, there's a lot of people, a lot of historical characters to fit in, so it makes sense that you're not going to remember them all. Although I will, uh, I will compliment Bill Pullman's performance in Wyatt Earp as he's kind of the antithesis lawman to Wyatt in that he actually tries being a little bit more personable uh, as an authority figure, even though that does get him killed. He's uh, affable, Max. <laughs> he is affable. That is correct. And the way he dies is great. He gets shot and he starts on fire from the bullet being fired at such a close range, and it's a really wicked way to die. It's a really great moment, and it's a kind of a change point for our characters in Wyatt Earp, where the stakes have changed, and people are having an emotional reaction to this situation, and they actually have to call Wyatt Earp back in at that point because the town has gone batshit crazy, more or less. And so they have to bring in this hard-ass lawman to come and save the day. Which is ironic because one of the lawmen is named Bat and he couldn't do a thing. It's true. All right, we've talked some good, we've talked some bad. It's time to head on over to our little corner we'd like to call History, History Facts and Box Office. So Max, what do you got? Tell me some box office. All righty. So for this guy, we got a clear-cut winner and we got a clear-cut loser. And you want to guess which one is which? Uh, no, I want you to just tell me. All right, because I'm probably going to be rubbing salt in this particular room by the end of the episode. Uh, Wyatt Earp released June 24th, 1994. Pretty much was a box office failure by all accounts as it had a budget of $63 million but only raked in domestically $25 million. Whereas Tombstone, prime Christmas release date on December 24th, 1993, on a $25 million budget, pulled in $56.5 million. Not necessarily a super success, but uh, enough to uh, make some bank in the long run. Oof. That is, uh, that's, that's just like a, a slice of Kevin Costner's 90s, right? It's just, we're going to make this big epic. And it's not going to make any money. Yeah, this is basically Kevin Costner crawling into his 90s coffin. Whereas movies like Waterworld and The Postman would each be nails in that coffin as they lowered him into the grave. Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good way to put it. Poor, poor K-Cost. Which is unfortunate because I actually like Waterworld. It's a spectacular water show, Universal Studios. I've never seen the water show. We should go. You know, if there wasn't a pandemic going around, we would totally do it. I like it. We can, we can review it once the pandemic is over. 
it's better than the movie. <laughs> um, but with that uh, tombstone, also the clear favorite as far as critics and audiences are concerned. What do you think the percentage of uh, tombstone on uh, Rotten Tomatoes is? 70%. Ooh, pretty close. 74 critically. 94% audience. Oh, dang. Is that the highest audience score we've had? That's insane. It, it might be. Uh, Metacritic has it at 50% out of 100, or uh, yeah, 50 out of 100, uh, and 7.7 7 out of 10 for users. For wider, not nearly as, uh, as uh, yeah, <laughs> not nearly as anything. Rotten Tomatoes critically, 44%. Audience, 61%. Metacritic, has it at 47 out of 100, and users have it at 6.7 out of 10. So users on Metacritic liked it a little bit more, uh, sort of the audience on Rotten Tomatoes, but easily the lesser of the ERPs as far as uh, critics and audience were concerned. Actually, yeah, it's uh, interesting to have you know consensus as far as the audience and critics are concerned. For sure, that there's not any real disparity other than the numbers. But even so, 70, what did you say, 74%? That's a pretty high, high percentage critically. And 94% is insane for audiences. Like if you polled people, Tombstone would easily be declared one of the best Westerns ever made. Which is wrong in my I, opinion I, I would also agree this is a fantastic western but it's not one of the best westerns it's also strange too because it's like unforgiven is magnificent and that's a 90s western so there's a surprising number of 90s westerns that you kind of just don't think about but tombstone for most people is probably the last one that really struck a nerve with people if i had to make a list of the best westerns right at the top would be Orlando, Florida, followed by the best Western in Lincoln, Nebraska, and of course, Sioux City, Iowa. Great best Western. I am so glad that that happened. I was just like, somebody's got to make a bad joke about this, and it was you, and I'm proud of you. <laughs> I'm proud to be your brother. <laughs> oh, speaking of brothers, hey. Ooh. Yeah, it wasn't good transition. I was trying to make it work, but you know, there's just a lot of brotherly love in these movies. And I there's so say, many brothers, sometimes more, sometimes less. There's even a joke about brothers. What is Kevin Costner, I think, says, oh, you only got two brothers or something like that? It's just a dumb throwaway joke that made Like, me what sweat. kind of family is that? I got six brothers and three sisters and a mother and father. That may not be correct count of his family but he certainly had a large family yeah i mean they were a family that lived on a farm in the 1800s like they're gonna have a lot of kids <laughs> also we know when they came out but what was the filming schedule like for these movies uh well this is kind of a clear-cut one as far as the duel is concerned tombstone was written by kevin jar and existed easily before wider mainly because of kevin costner uh, although kevin costner was unsatisfied with uh the amount of white earth content in Tombstone and moved on to the project with Lawrence Kasdan. But uh, heedless, Kurt Russell himself actually took over directorial duties, although George P. Cosmatos uh, got the official credits and Kurt Russell was uh, more than happy just to uh, be the ghost director for this. Although even I kind of take that with a grain of salt because he's never written or directed anything else besides Escape from Los Angeles. Uh, so the fact that he never directed again kind of makes me a little dubious of that claim. But 
regardless there, uh, Tombstone went to production in May 93 to August 93, and we got White Earp starting filming uh, in July 93 to December 93, uh, because, yeah, Kevin definitely wanted to have his way. Actually, I have to be specific there, because Kevin Jar, also a Kevin, wanted to have his way, but was fired. Kevin Costner got his way and got a epic from Lawrence Kasdan. Well, that's uh, what we, happens when you uh, have won Best Picture. You kind of get to throw your weight around a little bit, especially yeah. when you got Best Picture on like an epic Western. There's definitely something there, and uh, being in JFK right after that probably didn't hurt either. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kevin Costner, prior to the failures that he's about to run into in his career, is very well beloved. Which I frankly don't get. I always have a uh, common mantra as far as Kevin Costner's are concerned. Kevin Costner has been in a lot of really great movies, but those movies are really great regardless of whether Kevin Costner is in them. <laughs> it's it's kind of true. He he did make some of them a reality because of his role as an executive producer on a lot of things, but it's not he's never the standout in them. He's just along for the ride a lot of the time. But he's not along for the ride. He's kind of riding the show. I don't know. Your point is very valid, and I have lost in my own words. You literally plug any other good actor into his roles, and a lot doesn't change. Fair. But mostly, I think I just have a chip on my shoulder because I met him at the South Dakota Film Festival one year, and he was kind of a douche. He was a little bit full of himself, that's for sure, because I was also there because we're twins and we went to college together. (laughs) This is very true. Like, he had a couple different uh, sessions at the film festival, and every single one, I'm guessing it was contractually obligated, uh, he came out to a clip show of his works. Well, at least we got to see some good stuff in that, you know, because he's in a lot of good things, like you mentioned. It's true, but again, not necessarily because he was in them. All right, let's get off the K-Cost train here. <laughs> and uh, where are we going? We got, the, we got the history. We got the box office. Do you got any other little facts that we can throw in there, Max? Well, it was mostly just the legacy involved. White Earp failed at the box office and was forgotten pretty quickly, except for the nomination for Best Cinematography uh, at the Oscars, although it was nominated for a lots of Razzies. Tombstone, however, uh, became a popular favorite of President Bill Clinton. It was actually screened at the White House, so it got a lot more critical attention because of that fact. Is that because uh, he cheats on his wife? Could be a factor. Well, we definitely can't see any connection between Bill Clinton and Wyatt Earp on that front. Although lots of presidents would love to think of themselves as cowboys, especially Reagan had this come out at the time. Yes, that, that, that's a good, that's a pretty fair point. With like the exception of Teddy Roosevelt and a few other of our early presidents, none of them can really claim to be cowboy-esque. Although the main reason I think uh, Bill Clinton didn't watch Wyatt Earp Because in that movie, Wyatt Earp robs a guy, steals his horse, and is then shown fleeing the state of Arkansas, which Clinton was the governor of. I mean, maybe that has something to do with it. (laughs) I don't know. Um, I also, uh, another fact that I recall is that they had to fly in a lot of costumes from Europe for Wyatt Earp because there's an overlap in the shooting schedule of Tombstone and Wyatt Earp. Tombstone had taken like all the period pieces from the area in which they were filming because they both did film a decent amount in the in similar locations when they were out in the west yeah a little bit of overlap although uh as far as authenticity is concerned i think tombstone might have had a little leg up because they actually had 
Wyatt Earp III, not only as a consultant in the movie, but as a player in the movie. He actually is one of the gang at the OK Corral. Oh, well, that's uh, pretty cool. I got to say that Wyatt Earp's got a one on him because they actually have Wyatt Earp's actual pistol in the movie. Hmm. Not being fired, I think, but just for like close-ups and stuff, right? Uh, correct. So yeah, they each had their leg up, although... I think the uh, the living one might be a little bit uh, higher. No, no, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so with everything said and done, it's that time in the show when we try to figure out winner, winner, who's the winner? We got our pistols ready. We're facing off in the street. We're ready to draw. What you got? Uh, I was not expecting this to happen. I have loved one of these films for many years. And I've seen it many, many times. And that would the be other one is wider. <laughs> yes. And the other one is Wyatt Earp. And I was surprised by how much I enjoyed Wyatt Earp. I've only seen it once. So it definitely has an outsized impact as it hasn't like worn on me or has no nostalgia factor. So I was looking at it with fresh eyes. I got to give it to Wyatt Earp. Wyatt Earp, man. They got me. They got me. I wasn't expecting it, but you got me. Now, I'm going to need a little more from you with your sudden change of heart and inevitable betrayal, but I need to hear from you why it's better all of a sudden. Okay, two things. One, I had never seen it, so it's not better all of a sudden. It's just, it was a much better film than I had anticipated. And Tombstone, it's losing some gloss on it, man. Val Kilmer is the guiding light of that whole movie. Without him, I don't think it's particularly great, but he's in it, so he does elevate all of those scenes. For me, it really does come down to the fact that I was much more interested and related more to Kevin Costner's portrayal of Wyatt Earp. His character has a lot more going on. His character was a lot more nuanced. He's this, he's this man who that all of his entire family is riding on him. They're all, he's the one pulling them through life and so every bad thing that happens all that weight falls on his shoulders as well he's a much more flawed person he's not perfect in tombstone kurt russell's wider is pretty much flawless he doesn't do about anything wrong other than leave his wife but that's about it and you can't really avoid that historical factor but they don't really go into any of the other nuances of of him with the exception of the one time where he says that he already has a guilty conscience. But I've never, like, we don't really see that from him. And those are several of the reasons why Wyatt Earp's coming out on top for me. Also, I love Dances with Wolves, so it's pretty hard for me to, like, not like a Kevin Costner epic film. I mean, the hostility coming from me probably is a clear indication of my favorite, in this case, being Tombstone. But your last point with uh, uh, Kurt Russell pretty much saying he already has a guilty conscience, kind of speaks to me as to why I prefer Tombstone over White Earp, and that is efficiency in storytelling. Within his first couple interactions with the people of Tombstone, in Tombstone, we know exactly what White Earp is all about and why he wants to retire. And with White Earp, we waste half of the movie. I counted. It is almost at the exact halfway marker of White Earp. They get the Tombstone. So... Everything leading up to that, a whole movie unto itself, is kind of unneeded as far as the development of Wyatt Earp's character. In fact, Gene Hackman is the only one to actually give anything to the character of Wyatt Earp, pretty much saying, family is everything, and as soon as you're satisfied with one thing, move on to the next, which is kind of giving him permission to cheat on his wife, if you think about it. But all of the stuff that happens with his first wife is kind of unessential to who he is. 
other than the fact that he can't actually commit and put a ring on those fingers the remainder of his life. I guess I strongly disagree there because up until the death of his wife, he's a very moral, upstanding gentleman. He doesn't use prostitutes, even though he's having a prostitute basically thrown at him. He calls fights fairly. He doesn't seem to do anything outside of the law in any capacity. He won't even shoot or kill a man and hasn't up till that point, even though he's an incredible shot. It's only after the death of his first wife that he becomes this hardened individual that we know and that became this historical character. And I think that's pretty important. But I do find it interesting that at one point, this whole movie was going to be a six-part television miniseries. And I feel like if that had actually come to fruition, maybe even came to fruition in the now, like, AMC now, if it was a miniseries in the last 10 years, it would probably be incredible. Um, But as a film, I can understand that it does seem to drag a bit at points, especially when Tombstone tells the most famous part of Wyatt Earp in somewhat of a more spectacular fashion without having to deal with all of these other elements. But Wyatt Earp was a marshal in Dodge City, which is one of the most famous cities in all of the West. Like to completely gloss over that part of his life seems like irresponsible. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more as far as the, uh, miniseries is concerned. This would have been great as a miniseries. It was probably written as a miniseries. However, there is a... Okay, I'm not arguing the important character development as far as uh, Kevin Costner's White Earp is concerned, but it needs to be streamlined, which is what I enjoy about Tombstone so much. It's all streamlined, albeit for the sake of entertainment, so much as we actually cut out several brothers from the story to keep it moving very quickly. But there's so much said between Doc Holliday and White Earp in Tombstone that gives so much of their background that... Anything else almost seems unnecessary. I mean, if the whole movie was just a buddy film starring Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp, it would probably be a top 10 movie for me. To that fact, the point that halfway through the movie, we do Tombstone, and it basically is all of Tombstone until the end, in which case we get a little bit of an epilogue. It almost makes me feel like this whole movie wants to be Tombstone to begin with. If it wanted to be more of its own thing, it should have established another episode, like stuff that happens either more before Tombstone or more after Tombstone. It wants to tell the Tombstone story, but it's just adding more stuff to it. I think I think that's right. Like he wanted he wanted Kevin Costner's flaw was he wanted so much of Wyatt Earp to go into this movie that in some ways I could see why it would hurt it for a lot of viewers and audiences, especially since it came out second. If it would have beaten Tombstone to the box office, maybe we have a different setup. I don't necessarily think that critics or audiences would change completely, but I do think you'd have a different look at it because if you're waiting for that to happen for, like you said, an hour and 40 minutes, it's gonna be tedious. Well, yeah, and I think they should have stuck with the miniseries plan because this thing drags and they had that extra six months or so to write something that should have worked better and it didn't, to me anyway. I guess what it comes down to is that I really liked following Kevin Costner around the United States. (laughs) I think that's what it comes down to, is I liked seeing his character change and develop throughout his life history, although he is hilariously too old to be playing the younger version of himself when he's in Wyoming. So that was a little difficult for me to swallow at points. But nonetheless, 
his performance worked well enough for me to to gloss over it and accept it. I think it just comes down to that. Tombstone, Kurt Russell is super badass, steel-eyed, emotionless for the most part. And he's just calm and cool about it. And I just think having Kevin Costner's Wyatt be a little more jaded I think it works for me. But I never really get the sense he's experiencing any type of emotion at all. He doesn't act, whereas I can see what's going through Kevin Costner's head. But maybe that's just more of the melodrama of a Western that they're leaning more into, you know? Did you mean to say Kevin Costner right there? No. Yeah, that's what I thought, but you did, because I agree with what you said. Oh, God damn it. Um, no, Kevin, son of a bitch, Kurt <laughs> Russell. Ugh, I'm never going to get out of that one. Okay. Um, yeah, Kurt Russell, Mr. Kurt Russell of the Kurt Russells, um, <laughs> acted a little bit better than Kevin Costner for me. That's my money, I suppose. But um, with these movies, I think the only thing I really didn't like as far as Tombstone is concerned, uh, it's kind of wonky structure-wise. Like, as it shifts into the Vendetta Ride portion, it just feels like a weird thing. Is it the end of the second act? Is this the third act? Eh, I don't know. It's like, it weirdly enough has the same plot structure as Captain America, the first Avenger. The most action you'll see in the movie is all during a montage. And then it kind of wraps up with one last push, which is amazing, but it's like, wait a minute, how does this work? I think one of the problems with Tombstone is that everything post-Tucson, where he leaves his brothers and murders the man at the train station, um, I think Stillwell or something like that, after he murders him, it just, it feels more like an epilogue than it does the final act of a movie. Like, they're just kind of cleaning up everything. I don't see the characters developing anymore. It's just like, they need to kill these guys. I never really feel like it's actually necessary for them to do so. And it's weird because it's still the second act. If we're talking traditional act structure, everything up until the moment Kurt Russell is going to go face off against Michael Bean's Johnny Ringo, that's still act two. The only act, act three is like pretty much right before he goes off the face and Doc Holliday saves the day. Interesting. According to your classic act structure, that's the dark night of the soul when you doubt yourself the most. Well, I guess maybe they should have made that more meaningful for me. <laughs> I guess. Oh, it, it's, yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's why it feels wonky. Well, at least we can agree on something during this episode besides the fantasticness of Val Kilmer's Doc Holliday. We find ourselves in another quandary as far as the results of our noble experiments. You enjoying Wyatt Earp more, which surprises the hell out of me, honestly. And me loving Tombstone as much as ever, which is kind of flawed going in, knowing I was going to pick this result. But yeah, we find ourselves at the end of another episode of Twinima Cinema. I honestly, as we mentioned earlier, couldn't believe it myself. Once it happened, I just was like, oh crap, I'm going to love this movie, aren't I? It just, it hit me in the right places, man. Well, that's all we have at Twinima Cinema this time. As always, I'm Max. And I'm Joey. And please do us a favor, like, subscribe, share. Generally tell us good things about how we're doing on the show and uh, don't ever let us know the bad things. We don't want to know the bad things. I don't particularly want to know why you think my opinion on these two movies is crap. I do. (laughs) But please take care of yourselves, everybody. Uh, Wear a mask. Be kind to each other. And thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.